0: this is ready when you are sir episode nine of the lee and nick show titled the information age now when you hear the term information age nick what does that mean to you um
1: information um just like uh knowledge right like the good shit you want the information
0: right there's a lot of bad shit out there as well i reckon a lot of mix yeah bags pick and mix information and mix. um yeah
1: makes me think about like people used to live before we used to like technically there was a time right where we would have like not had reading and writing so then we would have relied on just like talking with each other like this to exchange information right
0: we would have and the reason why I wanted to bring this up as a topic of conversation is and the reason why I feel we're in the information age is there is so much information currently More than ever. And it's not that there's more now than what there was say 50 years ago, the ability to access said information is what's greatly changed in the last 50 to 100 years but It feels like to me it's become exponential in the last 15, 20 years, where due to our technological increase, the access to information is so abundant. And to me that brings a lot of interesting questions and requires some moments to process how is this affecting us as a collective um, and what is the best way to live on in the information age and to adapt in the information age. This is something I feel that we can talk about today.
1: Yeah, right. So, uh, at what point did it turn into the information age? Was that the, remember the dial-up sound that used to like go like, ding, like all that, I can't do it. like. And then like, and then like, that's how, and there was a certain flow, right? And then now like, you can just get like, uh, like that's just, I don't know. Like that's, um, now, now that is like, there is the bandwidth, right? That's what I guess I'm talking about has like grown exponentially to the point now where our input bandwidth is our eyes. Right. And that that's pretty good. Right. So we can input a lot of information, right? Super, super easy. But the thing that is limiting us is our two fucking monkey thumbs, right? And so our output is dog shit compared to our input, right? So then like, um, this is all like basically what Elon Musk is saying for why he's inventing his uh, Neuralink, right? So then that is basically, uh, to me, the Neuralink is a freaking API access to the brain. so. What is your non-link? Uh, like a thing Uh that, a thing that like, so put it this way, right? If you, you think out a text when you're writing it, right? On your phone and, Mm -hmm. um, you input it through your thumbs, right? Mm -hmm. What if you could have, um, input through your brain? So you could think these words and they would just come up on your screen. So, allegedly, um, there's a car out
0: there that you can drive with your mind. It, it, There's a heat map, there's nodes connected to your brain, and it has discovered, like, the intention of when you will the car to go forward, you send neurons to a certain part of your brain, and then it correlates that heat map to the car, and then the car is actually propelled by your intention to move it forward, so you're basically driving the miniature car with your brain. Have you seen this? It's the same idea. Mm. So that allegedly
1: really And, exists. um, yeah, well, not really, like, not, not, this, this is the idea behind this project, right? And like, I don't know, like, I don't know, I know the, like, um, uh, apparently they tried it out on some pigs or something and they connected something to some pigs and it's like, there's some waves and it's like, that means the pig is thinking something like, I don't know. Like, uh, so that's, that's like, that's where we're at with that sort of thing. But like, um, it's crazy. The thing that I was, the point I was trying to make was, was that to me says like, what, what that enables, right? Is like API access to, to our brains, right? Because then like certain programs could like directly interface with our brain, but Hey, maybe all this stuff is just like a d- distraction and maybe we, we already there. It's just that, wh- what does it matter that the bandwidth's a bit slower? Um, we still had a lot of fun with dial-up, right?
0: I think, I think you're right about dialogue. The, I think that's image when image became...
1: of, of, of the boobs to load. Like but now they yeah. just show up instantly.
0: What else were people looking at in the '90s on the internet? You know, well, like, I Pornography
1: has has always been like uh, like they lead a lot of new trends in technology. So I think like they had like video. They were onto vi- like video streaming technology was probably like first adopted by like the porn industry and stuff. Um, and you know that probably like I think Pornhub's been around longer than than um, than YouTube but I don't know someone like look that up
0: Jamie look that up (laughs) see if it's accurate yeah I, I think you're right like that leap from dial up to just being able to readily access the internet you know at the click of your fingers was like the big change and I remember the first two things I remember about the internet Nick and I remember being a kid I was probably about 10 years old when i started to kind of play with the internet which is different to the kids nowadays they probably start playing games at like three four years old and yeah you could be offline but you know they have the difference is they they born into
1: the internet whereas you like the internet was probably still around in 95 90 whatever but it, it was very like uh it wasn't as user friendly
0: let's just say probably yeah, exactly. And you know, we still probably had like, I, I had a television. So like, you know, I was watching television from the age of like, two or three, probably, but internet. First two things I remember were MSN. I probably started to interact with that when I was about 11, I want to say, and that was a game changer. And then the other one, do you remember LimeWire? Yeah. I was probably about 10 years old when I started using LimeWire. And to me, it was just the most incredible thing Did you in the destroy,
1: world. did you go through the, uh, what, what's it called? It's like a rite of passage where you just destroy your family computer because of
0: uh, LimeWire, right? Because all probably. these viruses just get on it. Yeah. And and my dad rite is a big Norton fan. But... Yeah, and I remember he had it Norton installed on the computer. So maybe uh, that was because of me. Norton, the antivirus to... security. Yeah, all
1: yeah, right trying to sh- try to use a condom like but when you're when you're when you're trying to the most dirtiest talker out there yeah um that's what limewire was but it, hey she gave you everything <laughs> whatever you wanted you got it for free um Even but yeah this. that 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 was like um that was like a pretty like big um that was like a pretty big thing and everyone got used to like, I don't know, just getting, getting stuff for free. I remember that feeling as well. You're just like, holy shit, I can just get whatever song I want. Yeah. Um, but it's like, it's been around for like such, um, a long time and piracy is like super interesting topic. Hey. And like does, um, does culture benefit from, or does it thrive when like, um, when you have a more open system, like where people would just like get, um, you know, a copy of a copy of a copy of whatever, like, cause everything, essentially you people can make the argument that like art is like uh, a lot of it is just like, we all just sort of copying maybe, um, You know, that's sort of like the, I don't know, influence process, right? Everyone was influenced by something, right? But way back in time, it's almost like some sort of DNA thing that's going and it's just like always copying. And then there's all these mutations, right? And everybody mutates it in their own way. And then we're like, wow, that, that I guess, that, that, and then people feel things. And I think the feeling that people feel is like, um, oh, I resonate with that, you know? And that's, and, and, and we call that good art.
0: I think it speeds up the evolution process having all access to things because you know when you can invest yourself in more information you can extrapolate and do different things with it so I think having this kind of free economy yeah. online has C- can I ask evolution. you a question sure
1: all right so if the internet was like this train right and some people were like no nah, I'm gonna stick to fax fax machines right um i'm not getting on that one um what happens to those people
0: what happens to those people if the majority are still using the internet
1: well i'm just saying like everyone uses it now like there is no no one it's like some technology right is like so um it's so like it becomes so in part of us that like we didn't even like we, we don't even know that everyone is like dependent on it and i think the internet's one of those things electricity is one of those things and they sort of like evolve right because you couldn't have internet without electricity
0: yeah yeah exactly we just keep building and it's and like you wonder where it's going next
1: yeah. And we, we haven't even had electricity for more than like 200 years or whatever. Right. Or I don't know, to like a lot of people, but till it became like pretty commonplace mainstream. Right? Mm. Mm.
0: Yeah. So, so
1: like, yeah, we could be just at the dawn of like, you know, and then that brought us to kind of, to get to the internet and maybe the internet's like the next thing that we're going to get to the next thing.
0: Cause it's really like all pervading, isn't it? Like it's really, it's the center of everything the internet and it's almost like we take it for granted and we don't even notice it in the sense that it is so all-consuming like especially um well just like everything i have a window here and since we've been on lockdown in melbourne you know you kind of you you don't have much it's like that film disturbia where sheila burke's character gets um like house arrested so he just like looks out through the window and like watches the neighbors yeah, and stuff and you makes it fun house doing arrest. That. well in a way and um you know when i look everyone myself included always on the computer um sitting by the their windows getting sunlight so there is still that connection to nature like we love the sun we love sitting outside but we are still all connected now to these machines and um it it does in a way affect like we're less present in the physical world and we're more connected in the cyber world but i'm not one of those people that feels like that's a bad thing per se but it happened like really it was like a tiptoe process but we somehow have now found ourselves in this world where we've become now more than ever it doesn't feel like we're getting less integrated with technology it feels like currently we're getting more integrated with technology and um, yeah i think we take that for granted because it's happening and it's like well, where is this going is this leading to the betterment of mankind what does the betterment of mankind even look like you know these are all questions these are all um, Things I'm curious about and also the fact that we could just drop all of this at a moment's notice and um, Yeah, you know, like transfer our awareness into something else but you know you and I have been talking about September the month of September and I feel that there's gonna be some big disclosures. It feels like there's a monster under the bed and it's about to come out um, to be frank and Hold um, on, I just gotta check under my bed All right. How'd you go? (laughs) It's scary looking. (laughs) So a lot of this is due to the information. Um, I think this monster is connected to the mainstream media. And so you would never, for instance, say 30 years ago without the internet, you would just kind of get what the mainstream media gave you. And that was the information. So there was like a monopoly on information to some degree, even though that was still a major advancement before, let's like, say, pre-World War II, where there was barely, you know, any television sets in houses, you know, it was a big jump. But now we've had an even bigger jump where we can get information from other sources, uh, let's say, we'll call them more independent sources. And I think we're in the, on the cusp of that moment where the independent collectively, because an independent source, one independent source is weak, because it can get blacklisted, it can get deleted, it can get, ostracized from the internet um, by the big conglomerations like Google that kind of run the internet. But yeah, like now I think collectively there's so much independent media culminating together and it's the strength in numbers and the unity and strength that we're seeing right now that's going to cause this massive disclosure to come up and you know it's more like a feeling that so many of us have and you can speculate on what some of the subjects are that are going to be coming to the surface but i think it's going to create a very weird warping in our sense of reality because the system the government the hierarchy that we've been living by for so long is about to collapse and it's going to be because of this information age that we will be led to this collapse and then what i'm really interested in henceforth is once this collapse occurs and you know it may not be a instant ripping of a band-aid it might take years to cascade outwards and for these changes to fully be in effect but i think the snapping moment is going to happen very soon i think we're in the process of it right now and then i'm wondering how do we rebuild as a, as a human family as a collective do we rebuild through Using this technology that we've already developed or do we step back from this technology and just the technology was a design to take us this far but I actually think we're in a very 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 good position because of the accessibility we have it does create problems it does mean that like for instance you can get very overstimulated very easily I myself sometimes because I work on my computer and I only have one room to work from at the moment so i work and i rest in the same room and sometimes i don't switch off from my computer and it means that, like when i'm having rest time i just take my computer and do something else on my computer and um, neurologically i think that can take a toll um i think maybe some of us younger people are a bit more resistant to um the effects of technology and that we can use technology for longer and and we're less affected by it in terms of like we get less overly stimulated we manage to maintain some sort of parity but i think older people maybe less so we're probably evolving in that sense but even for me I need to go for a walk at least once a day uh, or do something that just completely shifts my focus and I could probably do better to do things like read or just like chill out and sit quietly rather than um, you know watching watching something I don't watch a lot of television but I watch a bit of television but considering I make films and I'm always at my laptop I do spend speculatively probably five six hours a day on average you know, which is about maybe maybe about half my day is on a computer. Um, and, you know, we don't truly know in a way what the effects of that are because we don't really have a control group that isn't is that, doing that.
1: Is that including the computer that can also make phone calls as well?
0: Oh, uh, yeah. That that's a, but I use that less than other people. I, I'm probably in the bottom 10% of using my phone. I still use it every day. I still use it several times a day. Like I use it quite extensively, but I reckon... I probably use my phone if you exclude playing music because i don't really count that because i think you just press play on a song and then you walk off so i'm not counting the whole time listening music is time spent on my phone i think time actually spent pressing my phone i probably spend definitely less than an hour a day on my phone definitely less than an hour pretty much all the time uh very very rare exceptions i would imagine i spend more time but i spend hours on my laptop every day hours and our ancestors didn't So we're the first generation to be doing this. Um, and as long as I, I think we need to call a meeting of the minds and kind of go, Hey, is this, is this good? Is this good? Like, are we feeling good? Is this the right direction to take the human family? And I I believe it is like, I think there are many directions we can take the human family, but I think this is going well because, but it, it is again now the premium decision-making we have is which information what information we consume that's the key because if you're not informed you're going to be um, indulging in information that's harmful to you like if you watch the news all the time it's a very low frequency it's very it hurts you it really hurts you it conditions you to be in a state of fear and subservience all the time So there's an example of the duality of the information age. If you're absorbing information from those sources, you know, it's going to have a very negative psychological effect on you. Conversely, if you absorb information that is positive energy of light energy of inspiration and positive focus, then naturally you're going to have the ramifications of the aforementioned things I've just mentioned then. Um, filter into your life so it's almost like it's sped up the process of evolution for us like we could de-evolve very quickly and use it very negatively or we could evolve very quickly and use it very positively and my contention is that currently we are evolving very rapidly very positively very very quickly Um, and there is like a slight inertia to that I think because we are changing so much so rapidly but it seems to me that we are handling it well and this is helping us become more interconnected and that positive powerful empowering information is getting out there and we are indulging in it a lot of us are finding these alternative sources and uh this is a really good thing for humankind this is how i feel
1: yeah that's um that's a that that's that's a positive that's a very much a glass half full um opinion um and some of that I thought about when you're thinking, cause like you sort of tell me about information and like basically like you're saying that the type of information that we use our computer, be it a computer that can make phone calls or a computer that's a big thing that is on our lap or whatever your computer is, um, you're gonna process certain information through that. So at that point, these so-called computers they just become an extension of us that like are just like they sort of like in this in this space and this whatever you want to call it cyberspace or whatever like you can still like uh i guess you could see say, say like oh fuck it i'm not i'm gonna get i'm just fuck the internet. I'm going to go to the library and I'm going to, I'm just going to fucking like, um, read all the books there. You'll probably have a hard time even there, not using the internet or a computer because that's where you would find, that's the catalog to find other books that you would want. Mm. But if you're determined you could just hang out at the library and just like, um and just like, um, that's the way you absorb information, just the information that's in that building. That's, that's it. Like, and, and Hey, you could argue that you might have some fucking positive advantages taking taking that approach, right, but what most people are going to stick with, I think is uh, whatever 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 computer gives them superpowers in that arena if you, if you get what i 'm saying right? computers um, are giving
0: us superpowers they've given it to us like think about the two the two main things that like I would be collecting right now if we weren't living in the internet age is books and music. So I probably have a massive vinyl collection or a CD collection because I love music and it's great to own them physically. You know, that feeling you have when you have a book sitting there and you're just like, I love this book or this, this music. Yeah. So... I'm finding, I'm finding that right now I've got all these books sitting here that aren't mine. And a lot of them are really cool. Like I'd really like to read them, but there's just so much competition for my attention and my awareness because if there's one book sitting there, there's five things on the internet that someone sent me, a a podcast, a movie, a TV show, a a YouTube clip, whatever. And uh, quite oftentimes that wins against the books. So even though I've had access to these books for two months now, I've read cumulatively, probably the equivalent of one whole book in, in two months. And I love to read, but, and it's not for being lazy. It's because there is so much information on the computer that that
1: often overrides my attention. Yeah, that's it, right? So basically if you're like a homeless person right now with a Kindle and a a smartphone, um, you have more access to like more more music, more movies, more fucking cinema, culture, history at the tap of your fingers than like the richest king, like let's just say a hundred years ago. Do you think
0: we fail to appreciate this?
1: Maybe, I don't know. Do you think we take it for granted?
0: Has it just become um, a status quo?
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't know how to, it, it's like, um, maybe the same people had these, this is what I'm saying before, maybe the same people you had these conversations when they were like, "Oh, we have electricity now and the fridge can work in summer. Do we take this for granted?
0: yeah I think so I think I think I think we take fridges for granted I think I do I don't often kiss my fridge once no, yeah, once a week fuck the internet
1: man fridges are where it's kiss at kiss your bro. fridge or and fuck off washing yeah. <laughs> machines man <laughs> hey if you feel like you're not grateful go fucking kiss your fridge right now go kiss, kiss your fridge right now
0: and tell it you love it <laughs> hold it for a second man yeah you're absolutely right you know we, we overlook this stuff so much. If you're feeling
1: so, lonely, you've got no excuses. How do you think your fucking fridge feels, man? Fucking keeps all the food cold yes. and fresh. And it never fucking complains, man. The fridge
0: there, there is no fridge lives matter, man. Like what the hell? Fridge lives matter. Yeah, the FLN movement, man. That's in some <laughs> parallel dimension but not not in this one yet it's not broken <laughs> oh through. man that, what's going on in that one hey in
1: the fr- in the fridge world where fridges Those have feelings it's like yeah, There's like, that, imagine it. You go to your you go to your fridge, like, that would be the best like, technology to have a personality, right? Because it's like, where you get your food and, like, imagine if you're telling your fridge, like, you're trying to lose weight, and you're coming to it to get some snacks, and it's just like, imagine, like, what sort of voice would you program your fridge to have? Like, you could have one that's, like, all different ones, you know what I mean? Like, what Very would white. the fridge say to me? If I, if I was like, alright, so listen, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm a fat fuck, right? Imagine me right now, and I'm like, I'm, this morning, I was complaining to my fridge i was like fuck i'm so fat like can you please like when i go to get the snack tonight can you just tell me like no you said this morning you're gonna stop and then like it's like eight o'clock i've just like smoked a cone or whatever and i've got the munchies and i'm like fuck, i really i really want a snack what would the fridge say to me
0: would you give the fridge executive powers to shut the fridge between certain times, like, or would you just like, yeah, because I'm
1: a desperate fat fuck. I'd be like, yeah. please, like, I need you to, yeah.
0: You might need to get one for the pantry as well, because you could just, <laughs> you, you could just get like, you could just put like baked goods in the pantry. But then the visit. fridge
1: is like, I'm watching you, motherfucker.
0: Like, <laughs> I see you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the fridge just had have to have a deep voice. That's my fridge would have to have a deep voice. That's the only natural yep. voice I can envision. But yeah. I've got, I've got a new, I've inherited a new idea from this conversation. I'm gonna um, just start kissing my fridge every morning when I go in for breakfast. And my hell, housema- I'm not gonna inform my housemates that I've had this conversation and this is a revelation, um, and they're gonna look at me like, "What the fuck?" And I'm, I'm not gonna explain it to them. I'm just gonna do it. Jesus henceforth. Christ! Holy shit! That's man. how you change that's the world. Gonna, that's One some fridge at a time.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's gonna have some interesting. Like, I'm looking forward to hearing the the the. I'm looking forward to hearing about like how that goes. Hey, so Cheering the consensus,
0: yeah, the consensus that we formed in the last twenty minutes or so is that we are kings. We're living like kings, and we're possibly overlooking this, or I would say probably overlooking this. Um, where does this sense of entitlement come from? Like, um, why are we overlooking the fact that? we just have like, I'm as guilty as everyone else. I'm not, I'm not pointing the finger out there. I'm pointing the finger at myself. Um, why are we, why are we overlooking the advancements that we've made and how simple it is making our lives and um, and not investing more gratitude in that. And um, I think as we invest more gratitude, we can figure out even further requirements of how to live like a, incredible life which is what we're starting to do as a species like you know think about 200 years ago when you had to farm farming is a lot of work you know it, it seems I haven't done it myself but what I hear is that you have to put a lot of you have to put an extensive amount of time into raising crops and um, raising livestock and it seems to be like it could be quite a rewarding um, profession because there is a there is a practical side to it where you get that yield and that yield is your reward and it's a very direct relationship. It's very basic, right? Um it's very simplistic, very rewarding. Fuck yeah, I love some yield, bro. Yield is what it's about. Yield's yield sick is, hey. Yield yield's is achievement.
1: Just... Yield's the sickest shit, hey. You just like what, what do you need and yield? And it fucking yields, bro. Like
0: fucking yield, man. Exactly, but now but now And then you put your yield in your fridge, right? Well, potentially, two hundred years ago, maybe not. Yeah. you'd had to do something else. but
1: yeah. I think
0: I think because we have everything, it seems like potentially that there's that great Simpsons episode, the metaphor Homer gets a promotion and he goes to this town and works for some real crazy guy. And they move into this amazing house. Oh Marge, yeah. Marge goes to oh, water yeah. the plants and then some hoes oh, man. Who Who is that guy to... he works for, man? Fuck. I don't know. That guy know. man. Cr- he, he kind of I don't know, he he almost emulated and like, he,
1: would, he loved Homer. He loved Homer. He was like, How's it going, Homer? Like he would give Homer like anything. Yeah, so for those of you who haven't seen this shit. episode
0: yeah. for those of you haven't seen this episode Marge is stuck at home because Homer goes to work. It's a really nice house. She goes to water the plants, but some hose comes out of the ground and waters them all for her and she goes, oh. She goes to make the bed and some rubber glove hand comes out from underneath the bed and just makes the bed for her in a second. And she kind of keeps encountering these things as she goes to do the domestic chores in the house and then some sort of intelligence does it for her. And then on the second or third day of this happening to her, she looks at the time and it's nine o'clock in the morning her husband's gone to work and she just shrugs and she goes into the fridge gets a glass of wine pours a glass and starts drinking and it's just like now that we are getting we have everything getting done for us it's an exaggeration but it makes a very good point um what purpose do we have as a human kind and this could be why you know suicide is high um when i say high i think if just about anyone is committing suicide, that's too high. That says a specific problem. No other species in the world commits suicide. As far as I know, we seem to be the only intelligent and we're the most intelligent, it seems, on the surface. Um, based on our attitude and our capability, our opposable thumbs, our large-sized brains, we seem to be highly advanced species, if not the most highly advanced species on Earth. Um, on the surface, there could be aliens roaming around. There could be Bigfoot. Uh, and I'm not sure where Bigfoot ranks on the intelligence scale so um i'll 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 refrain maybe i'm being a bit too forward but we are an intelligent species um and many of us have purposes and i think we are in the process of ever unfolding and discovering that but i think this technology has created a transition period where um you know whereas many people used to probably farm they now don't farm and they don't have that direct purpose and that connection with their body their mind and their spirit and if that gets severed or Disconnected, you know, a lot of people want to exit the game, the matrix, and they take their own life. And I think we have gone through a transition phase where we haven't probably acknowledged what we're going through as a collective consciousness through this change in the advent of technology becoming so exponentially available and advanced that it has created some teething problems and some growing pains for us. Um, but I do think it can also be the solution in terms of like having access to this information can mean that we learn and become more advanced from this information if we choose the right information if we create access to the right information and that we can advance into more purposeful beings because I think this is also connected with why we take technology for granted because oftentimes if you don't have a direct purpose you don't have a direct connection with yourself your mind your body and your spirit aren't all interlinked as in the triangle and um, therefore this creates um, i think you call it cognitive dissonance I suppose where you're just like shut off from parts or most of the world you're not gonna have time to kiss your fridge if you're in a state of cognitive dissonance you're not gonna have time to feel grateful for what we actually have which is the internet which is you know this advanced technology we have and um, we are in a process of learning how to adapt to this technology it's like it's an extension of us how can we use it? That, that, you could consider that as a rhetorical question, just so you know. You don't need to answer that so much directly.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I think we should ask Pornhub what they think. Well, what's the next frontier? Like, what's the, what's the next thing that they're interested in now? Is it VR? Or are they into like the robots that like, um look and feel real, um, and like simulate some, something that people want to, to have with Experience. robots. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. What do you think people want from sex robots, Lee?
0: A sex robot man. It's like, I wonder if you could be aroused if you had the knowledge that it was a robot.
1: Think about if how much even... effort and work goes into like building this fucking sex robot, man. At some point, people have to like sit in a room and have the conversation about, like, alright, where's
0: this project going? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Is this worth it, you mean, from the manufacturer's point of view? Ah, oh, there's a lot of people that want to
1: buy them, I imagine. Yeah. But how do we like, how do we, how do we optimize
0: our yield on the, on the sex robots? Mm, Well, I mean, does that idea appeal to you to have a sex robot? Because I feel there's something missing. It's like, um, you call it pheromones. I know that's a metaphysical concept, but there's like an energetic exchange between, um, in my experience when I've been intimate with very good looking women, if they don't have that spirit and that connection to me, it's not as enjoyable. So then I think, well, imagine the sex
1: robot people need to reach out to the fucking people at Dior and all those like fancy perfume brands. Why? Because you're saying like pheromones and shit. Like, um, isn't like the whole point of perfume to like trigger some sort of like sexual feeling? Like, like an aphrodisiac.
0: You, like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, sometimes it's a, the opposite. Aphrodisia. So me just...
1: that's what I think. That's what, that's what the robot people want to achieve. Right?
0: The same aphrodisiac.
1: But in a different product.
0: Mm. I mean, it's a great, yeah. How real can they get it? If they can get to a point where they induce like the same feeling as flesh and you, you get the robot to program and be like adaptive mm. into a situation and say what, and to be able to respond to you, is there a difference? And, and, and she, in our case as men, she's built as the, the right receptacle, if you get what I mean, like her body parts are able to receive what the man gives. Um, it's, it's pretty it sure. from, human? Yeah. you know, a yes, to me, um, I'm not sure if a robot could house the same, has the same capacity to house spirit as a human being does. And I think we overlook spirit. Like, like this is, this is the example I would use to help this um, discussion along. Um, guys or girls, if you've ever had uh, sex with someone from the opposite sex or the same sex, um, who's particularly good looking, um, but you just weren't feeling it, it wasn't as enjoyable, I would say that like superficially it's ticking boxes, but there's something not quite there. And oftentimes when we look at things from a superficial point of view, we feel, okay, the more symmetrical and attractive my partner is on the surface, the better the sex is gonna be. This is not always the case. In fact, this is often not the case. There has to be a correlation that can be true, but there would have to be a correlation between like a connection. And this connection is metaphysical. It's hard to put into words. And oftentimes we overlook it when we are dating or on on the hunt for someone be intimate with but from my personal experience when i found myself in a situation like that when i've been with someone on an intimate level uh, and they're very attractive on the surface but there's something missing something on the intimate level it's just not the same and i would question again it's a question it's not a um it's not an assumption in terms of i'm not taking this on as a inherent belief but could a robot house spirit like a human being does and i think spirit is connected to that intimacy in terms of um there's like a metaphysical deeper connection you have with someone and i think that's what we truly seek through intimacy but a lot of us don't know how to get in touch with that part of ourselves we're so our male and our female parts of ourselves carl jung or i'm not sure if it was jung but this is psychoanalysis we're talking about here there's anima and animus the anima is the if I'm not mistaken female part of the male so the female inside of me the man and the animus is the male part of the female so the male inside of the female and what we always do is when we are seeking to mate or attract someone in my case because I'm a straight male I project my anima onto the woman so my anima my ideal woman I project that onto the woman, and she could match that, but all of a sudden she could fart or do something really gross, and then it might actually affect the, my projection onto her. And this is like how we mate, essentially. We have this inbuilt within us, and our female and male wires are often so crossed. Like, on from a man's point of view, if you ever get that hard work, tough guy, you know that person is completely devoid of feminine energy inside of himself you can tell and so he is completely dependent on feminine energy from outside sources i.e his wife his girlfriend his mistress maybe even his kids maybe his sister um which can be a very perilous position to be in because if you're dependent we need this balance of feminine and masculine energy at all times and if your balance is predicated on someone external, that means someone can basically use you if they don't give you what you need, they can manipulate you or you can be manipulated and it's not really their fault. It's your problem because you're crossed, across and you haven't figured out that balance inside of you. So if we are imbalanced as a collective like that, which so many of us are from my observations and through my own personal journey, I've been seeking to balance my masculine and feminine components so that I actually can be a sovereign individual and attract another sovereign individual into my life so that there is no um, codependency there's interdependency where we use each other effectively to help each other's lives but we're not we don't need each other we just benefit from having each other but that to me is a healthy um, relationship reciprocity to have now how many people do you know that fully live in that space I mean I don't even know if I know 1% of the population is there yet. And so, yeah, man, maybe more
1: people need to kiss their fridge.
0: Yeah, their fridge. Um, and then depending on whether you project, is it a male or a female fridge and then maybe you can practice What's up to you, isn't it some, yeah. love. some love. So if, if we're going whatever stuck, you want it to be, how can we be intimate? You know, how do we know that we're looking for this deeper intimacy with another person? how can we go past the superficial level if we can't even balance our own feminine and masculine energy, you know, we just, um, we're kind of like a bull sexually. I think our sexual evolution as mankind is like a bull when it sees a red, uh, tapestry or a red cloth getting waved at it, especially from the man's point of view, but many women as well. It's like when they see that red cloth, they just go and it's almost like they have no control over their impulses and their urges. And, um, we talk about sexual energy in the workplace, don't we, Nick, and how there's this undercurrent of sexual energy that goes on and it can be between men. It can be between alpha men. It can be between men and women. It can be between women and women. And that this is kind of like an underlying negotiation that's going on partly subconsciously in some cases, fully subconsciously in other cases, some of us become aware that this sexual energy is being exchanged all the time in every interaction from when you're getting a coffee to when you're at work and it can come out more i'll even say violently as well you know like um if you're negotiating with your boss you know your boss can use his sexual energy or her sexual energy um in a nurturing way or a manipulative way it's like our life force energy in a lot of ways um but a lot of us have so much repressed sexual energy that it can often come out in the workplace um and we're in the process of discovering this sexual energy as a collective and so throwing these robots into the mix i don't know if it's going to help i think it might take that to happen to realize that oh this is actually redundant because I'm not getting the spiritual quality out of the intimacy that I need Yeah. So what I'm getting from you is these robots are gonna
1: reflect certain demands that exist in the culture of uh and it will reflect that culture's sort of sexual um Fucking whatever the fuck they like, and to me, this has been happening forever since like the Romans and shit, they and the Greeks and all that. They have all the fucking paintings of like, uh, even fucking like you know, just dicks everywhere and orgies and shit.
0: Yes, they did, they they seem to embrace the human form a little bit more. And I noticed the ones in Roman times or the um, in the Renaissance all seem to have really small dicks. I, I heard the other day that. This is because it was easier to sculpt or something. There was there was a reason behind it and that's wasn't necessarily drawn to scale. But I always wondered about that. I was like, they have really small penises, you know, back in those days. I wasn't sure. Like growing up as a kid, you're just like, okay, I guess they had like really small dicks, but no, that there was there was an inherent reason. It was like a I think it was a practical thing or something like that. I can't remember if that's exactly accurate, but it was a reason. I was like, oh, okay, so that that's not like a genuine attempt to like draw a dick to scale, if you get me. (laughs) Pretty good excuse, hey? Yeah. Yeah. So, um... It's just the lighting. It's what? It was just the lighting. The lighting, yeah. That made the dicks look small. I I don't think we're going to need to get this far to robots, Nick, but if we did need to go that far, I think it would reflect that like, oh... Oh, I'm telling you these
1: robots, sex robots already exist. Are people using these already to like, fuck? Yeah, dude. Really? Yeah. 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 Haven't you heard of like rule 34 or whatever? Like this rule that if you could think of a porno, it it probably exists. It's something, Uh it's like rule something, 20 something. So, you know, there's like all your favorite TV shows, a porno exists in there, like in that universe porn people have gone and made all those characters have um you know like porn different actors usually but um you know we will we'll see you know i don't
0: i don't know if they're going to become widely used these robots but if they did that's as far as it would but as go. price
1: comes down eventually price will come down maybe like yeah a, but three decades there needs to from be now. demand
0: there needs to be demand otherwise I don't know where a lot of like men and women are at. Like maybe they're feeling really lonely and, um, you know, the well, let's just say they else.
1: get to the price of a, of a fleshlight. So fleshlight is like whatever they cost now, like 30 years from now, they cost the same, but they make you feel like you're in love.
0: <laughs> what world is that like? Is that, who's to say that's a bad thing you know like if that if people are yeah. genuinely happy it's there what if you she, wanna you... yeah it just feels like a dreams. dream that someone a person's not waking up from like they're just in like an illusion um
1: no but, no right this is Rick and Morty did a thing on this, right? And like all the men the the women and the men separate and the and the men of this universe they turn into brutes that just have sex with these robots and then these robots like once the, the once the semen's inside the robot it will turn into like uh like a like a it'll just fly off to to like the different planet and that's where all the women are and then they like they then the babies are born there and then if they're women they get to stay on this advanced women planet or if they're men they are sent off to the men planet and they're just brutes and they're like fighting like every now and then women will bring these robots down and drop them there and they'll fight over them and then like whoever wins and has sex with them then the robot automatically flies back to the women place okay. and then men and women they don't have to they
0: don't have to live together. So I'm picking up on some kind of metaphor here that Dan Harmon's making.
1: Possibly, yeah, who knows who made it. But yeah, definitely, it definitely um, fits into this whole conversation.
0: Yeah. Actually, like I was just thinking about how, um, it's funny when you record a podcast like this because there's three of us. There's me, there's you, and there's everyone else that's listening. And it's really interesting. I think a really effective way to host a podcast is to literally, Literally let go of the third person involved, which is the audience, and just like channel the words and let things come out as they need to come out and um, almost give no thought. I think there are many other ways you can do it. You can like really factor in the third party, the audience, like with a lot of like sentiency. But I think if you do just let it go, there is this natural flow that comes to a conversation. Um, And I think that natural flow is what I really enjoy when I hear other people talk on YouTube and so this kind of feels like the formula that we've created, but I notice sometimes I'm just like thinking in my head, like, um, are people understanding what we're talking about? Um, but that's not really for us to decide. That's really, that's really for the collective to decide. And it doesn't really matter what other people think. At the end of the day, you can sample yourself. And, and I know, like I say, that I really enjoy, coherent, free-flowing, open-minded conversations. I think that's what we execute each time we talk. So that's a positive thing. But it is a really, unless it's something you grew up in, like I didn't grow up in a, a TV, like like a, a hosting culture or like, you know, I wasn't an actor, I didn't do drama really. Um, so, you know, this is all really new to me, like presenting and performing. So it does take like, it feels like a training wheels process because it felt the same for you. You had a bit more experience than me, mind not you? With podcasts.
1: Yeah, I think like, um, I think you just, it's like, this is gonna sound really shit, but it's like, and like corporate, just to do it. <laughs> like, yeah, fucking Nike, man. They fucking figured everything out. Who knew, like, they literally like, you literally could have just not went to school and just like invested your whole life into the corporate motto. Of Nike and just like just live that life. You didn't even have to buy their shit. You just had to be like, oh, just do
0: it. What's Um, Adidas? What's their what's their motto?
1: I don't know, man. Um, But yeah, it's like yeah, it's um, you just do it. It's like yeah, like I don't know. No, I think that's not good advice though. I think if anyone (laughs) needs advice to start a podcast, seriously. Like you should you should um you should talk to Lee. What's our email? Uh
0: Lee and Nick, Nick N I K, Lee L E I G H show, all one or one word, no spaces obviously, and email address at gmail dot com. And we'll get back to you promptly.
1: There you go. Free 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 advice that's worth over two hundred dollars, in my opinion. Well, this is uh this is
0: our tenth episode, so you know. You get you get to make some sort of claim. Yeah, whoever like
1: that yeah, yeah, if you've listened, yeah, you
0: you you've won
1: two hundred dollar free advice. You reckon two hundred
0: dollars? That's what where, what's uh, that's what it's that's numbers? what the
1: advice is worth. So you send an email and then Lee replies, and that reply is worth two hundred. That's cheap, man. That's a cheap deal because like with that response, if you take that and you and you apply the Nike education method to that shit like there's no stopping you
0: so hear what i say and then just do it and then everything's going to work out that's that's the mm. formula that you've created there the that, domain and range
1: yep yep well, that's it you heard it from nick thanks for watching yep
0: and uh until next time in the world it. we love you we appreciate you thank you for tuning into our frequency where we will be hosting this show every Thursday indefinitely. Kiss your fucking fridge. Bon voyage.